I'm Zachary Cartwright. This is Water and Food. Today, my guest is Jeremy Basha, who's the Chief Revenue Officer at Sonoran Roots, a recreational cannabis company in Arizona. Today, he's here to talk about how his team uses water activity measurements to increase their yield and revenue, and also make decisions about when to take their products out of their dry cure rooms. Let's hear what he has to say in this special cannabis edition of Water and Food. Hi, Jeremy. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hi, doing great. Thank you very much. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, thank you for being here. I, I know we usually focus on food products, on water and food, but uh, today we'll be t- talking about cannabis. So, Jeremy, can you give us a little background information on, on who you are and, and who you work for? Yeah, my name is Jeremy Basha. Uh, I work with Sonoran Roots, a cannabis company here in Arizona. And how did you end up there? How, how did you find this company? Um, I was actually one of the founding partners of the company. Mm-hmm and um been in the industry here in arizona since 2014 uh the starting out in the medical market and uh you know just kind of evolved into a larger enterprise with um a little bit a little bit uh more varied uh scope and uh span of operations uh, originally we started out as one retail location um and grew into a retail and an extraction company and then grew from that into a larger regional uh, cultivation company uh, with increased uh, extraction and uh, while maintaining the single retail dispensary location. And is this something that you went to school for or studied in school or, or how did you find this interest? Um, I mean, yeah, in a roundabout way, kind of. I definitely was very interested in cannabis in school. So, um, mm-hmm. but no, not not something I formally went to school for, or um, you know, have been formally trained in in any type of way. Um, I would say that the interest was definitely sparked uh, when I went to school in in California between 2007 and 2011. And mm-hmm. I had gotten my very first medical marijuana, excuse me, my very first medical marijuana card when I moved out there uh, to go to college. Mm-hmm. And that experience of uh, being able to grow my own uh, medicinal plants and go to the different collectives and see all the different novel products that were being made and sold, um, it definitely sparked a serious interest and passion for me personally. So in a roundabout way, it's kind of something that developed out of my time in school, but not something sure. I studied specifically. And did having that medical card, did that allow you to, to grow your own um, cannabis at home or, or what did that yep. look like? Yeah. So having the medical card in California at that time in 2007, 2008, that allowed me to grow six flowering plants and 12 edge plants at home. And mm-hmm. I had two roommates who also had their medical card. And so we had our little, little co-op there, a little mini, mini grow, um, that we maintained and it was absolutely awesome. And then you took that knowledge with you and, and how did you end up in Arizona? From here originally, uh, after, after uh, I graduated from school at UCSD, I moved back to Arizona to help, uh, my family out with some, some different things. And, uh, one of my longtime friends who I went to junior high and high school with, his family had uh, submitted for the original lottery and allocation of the medical licenses in 2012, and they were awarded two licenses. And so um, kind of being the token stoner of our friend group, I would say, uh, growing up, um, they had reached out and um, 
you know, we're kind of looking for some help and looking for some collaborative partnerships and stuff. And we hit the ground running. And I, I know your company is doing lots of different things, craft, cultivation, production, manufacturing, and so on. Can you maybe talk about each of these components and, and what you guys are working on? Yeah, absolutely. So we're definitely uh, very focused and heavily focused on uh, indoor cultivation. Um, and we strive to produce craft, uh, you know, finished flowers uh, for the flower connoisseurs and the flower market and demographic in our in our. Uh, market here um and we also just completed um a complete revamp of our extraction division um built an entirely new lab uh predominantly focused on bho and light hydrocarbon extraction uh, so all the dabbable oils the waxes the butters the shatters the sugars the the whole nine right um and uh we've had a We've had a label that we've distributed under on the concentrate side since 2015 called Canamo Concentrates. Um, and, you know, on the retail side, we have the one outlet uh, in Glendale, Arizona. The name of that location is Ponderosa Dispensary. And um, within all of those things, we, we uh, have, you know, various collaborative partnerships and joint ventures with other, other companies and brands, depending on the different products and the different divisions in the company. And how large is your operation now? I, I know you mentioned a few locations and things, but what is the, the size of your growing facilities? Yeah. So the Mesa facility that we operate out of is um, kind of a total overall footprint at 30,000 square feet. Um, our Tempe facility that's operational right now um, is a total square footage of 25,000 square feet. And then we have a Chandler facility that's um, still being built out and under construction and underway. That's uh, 12 and a half thousand square feet. And then we have a second Tempe facility that's also under construction. That's much larger at 60,000 square feet. So, so lots of things going on, it sounds like. Yeah, lots of things. <laughs> and unfortunately, uh, lots of construction. Sure. And what are some of the challenges that your team has come across as you've grown in size, especially as, as it relates to the water in your products? As it relates to water in the products, I would definitely say the, the predominantly um, kind of realized issues on, on that side of things is going to be the over drying, mm -hmm. um, the under drying uh, and microbial issues. Mm-hmm. And, and how do you work around these issues? How do you, you know, make sure that you're not over drying and removing water that you want in your products or, or under drying and then, you know, potentially having microbial or, or mold grow in your products? How, how do you monitor that? Well, we're uh, very fortunate and lucky to have found an awesome company uh, called the Meter Group. And um, we utilize our Aqualab device religiously testing batches to see what the water activity and moisture content's at. Um, and we use the Scala sensor uh, system uh, to monitor in the dry cure rooms. Um, and so utilizing that technology has enabled us to systematically and methodically uh, structure um, SOPs around the water content and the water activity to make sure that we're not taking it down too early. We're not taking it down too late. Um, you know, the trim department is getting, is getting flowers that are easy to trim. Um, you know, and not too wet and too sticky, not too dry and too crunchy. 
um, and we give ourselves the best opportunity for a very nice, uh, proper, slow cure on the finished product. And how was water being monitored maybe when you first entered the industry? Have you seen this evolve over, over time or how did you do this in the past uh, compared to how you're doing it now? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, when I first came in the industry, I don't think anyone was monitoring any type of uh, water activity or moisture content or just um, water was really, you know, not at the forefront of the mind in dealing with um, the production process um, besides actually feeding the plants. Um, if you were going to kind of measure or track that information, you would have had to submit a sample to one of the testing labs uh, for a moisture content panel. Um, but I don't even know if that existed at that point in time. So predominantly, you know, even leading all the way up until we found and identified, um, the different, different products from the meter group and from, um, you know, the Scala and the Aqua lab and so on. Uh, it was really more so done based off of a subjective kind of experience. Um, and, and some of that touch and feel basis of, you know, do performing the snap test, um, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, just kind of based on those, the historical precedents of harvesting a strain and how much time it usually takes to dry and so on and so forth. And you mentioned the snap, t uh, the snap test. This is something has, that has come up in some of our previous podcasts, but maybe you can explain that a little bit for our listeners what that test is and then how this new technology helps to replace that test. Yeah, absolutely. The snap test is, uh, you know, taking a stock or a branch of, or a bud and uh, breaking it um, and seeing kind of at what point it actually snaps or if it's slowly kind of bending, but not breaking. Mm -hmm. um, and really just kind of that very manual feel uh, process. And, um, you know, compar comparatively speaking with, uh, you know, scientifically measuring the water content and water activity, um, it's certainly a much different process from collecting a sample and putting it in the device and getting a, you know, precise reading um, and, you know, using our, our thresholds that we've been, um, you know, very uh, graciously set up with by the company and by the team, mm -hmm. uh, knowing what our parameters are for, um, you know, quality and, um, microbial, you know, safety levels, um, quality levels. And then obviously the, the more moisture you, you keep in the flower, the more weight you have at the end mm -hmm. of the day. And so, um, there's a lot of different factors that, uh, play into, um, that output that you're getting from the, those devices. So it sounds like, you know, you went from this really subjective method and having maybe a lead grower, somebody with experience, snap it and, and try to understand if, if it's ready or not. Now to using a, a scientifically backed method where you can get a measurement and really track what's going on. And I, I think this has probably helped your team to reduce your variation and then hit the marks that you need. Was there something specific that happened for your team to, to make this pivot? Or was it just something that you learned about? What, what, is, is there a story behind that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you kind of hit the nail on the head. We had a, a head of cultivation who's one of the founding partners of the company. Um, he's got a world of experience and knowledge. And when we first opened our uh, Mesa production facility, we were all running ragged, uh, just working crazy hours. And um, probably out of everybody, Joel, working the most and working those hours, you know, the, 
those longest hours the most. And um, he had a family vacation planned and um, he was, you know, considering not going and everyone's like, dude, you, you absolutely have to go. You need to take a break. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he ended up, you know, going on, uh, it was like a 10 day trip with his family. And when he had left and when I say he was like, you know, doing everything in the grow, he was literally doing everything, you know, he was burping the bins, um, you know, he was hanging, taking down and he had people helping him, but he was making all the calls, the decisions of when to do wh- uh, what and so on. So, um, when he left and we had, you know, the, the flowers keep growing and we keep harvesting and we keep going through our processes, you know, we realized pretty quickly that uh, we need to have some better controls in place where, you know, Joel's able to take a week long or a 10 day long vacation. And we're not, you know, sitting there wondering, should we burp the bins today? Should we take this down tomorrow? Should, you know, what should the trim team trim first? Like it was, it was pretty, pretty eye opening from that standpoint. So, uh, we got lucky, just did a little bit of online, online research and found the meter group, found the aqua lab. And um, we, we certainly haven't looked back. And I, I see a lot of companies kind of with similar stories that have a, a lead grower, somebody with that knowledge because they've been growing for a long time. But just like you said, if that person's not around, then, then what do you do? How do you keep moving forward? So yeah, r- really interesting. And I'm glad that you've been able to find, you know, water activity and this has been able to help your team. Um, when are you measuring water activity? What, what does that process look like? Is it just during drying or, or how often are you taking these measurements? We take the measurements every day. Um, we do every day in the dry care rooms when there's plants hanging. And we do uh, the bins um, that are in queue to be trimmed up and go into the, um, the final cure post-trim. Um, we measure all of those every day. And in fact, that's what uh, structures our trim schedule. Um, we do it based off of the water activity reading. Um, so we're constantly readjusting our bins that are going to go out to get trimmed next based on that day's reading. Um, and then every single day in the dry care room, we're, we're measuring flowers from each batch that's hanging up, um, making sure that we're, we're drying on, on track and, um, they're staying, you know, as long as they can in, in there before, you know, getting to that point of over drying. And I also understand that your team recently started using some environmental sensors. Is, is that correct? Yep, absolutely. And, and why? Why are you using these uh, on top of taking water activity measurements? Uh, we definitely see that as a, a complementary um, process and, and not a kind of mutually exclusive one. So um, it kind of takes the, all of the factors and specific to the dry care rooms um, it accounts for all of those different factors, the environmental factors, the temperature, humidity, space of the room, um, dimensions of the room, so on and so forth. So, um, it, and you're able to really get granular with the Scala system in terms of batch by batch and strain by strain, where we're not really tracking um, that information using the Aqualab. That's more of a day-to-day decision-making tool. Mm-hmm. The Scala sensor and the Scala platform is more of a longer term uh, planning and um, structuring tool and mechanism that you're able to use to determine the subtle differences between strains. You know, if you have a strain with looser bud structure, um, that's, you know, not as condensed or compact, it's going to dry at a slightly different rate than something that's, you know, very compact, very tight uh, bud structure. 
Um, and some of those subtle differences compounded over time make a, a major difference. Um, so it kind of helps us get in tune with things on a more granular basis. Yeah, and I, I think the way you described that was really helpful because I, I think these two things are complementary, having the Aqualab and taking the measurements, but also understanding what your environment is and how this can affect different strains. So I, I think that was really helpful to hear. Um, awesome. What, what are the financial impacts of making sure that your water activity is right? You know, what if it's a, a little low or a little high? Do you have any sense of, of how this can help or hurt your team financially? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're over drying and you're removing too much moisture out of the flowers, um, I mean, that's, that's just quantifiable and pure weight. Mm-hmm. Um, so whatever you charge, say you charge, a, you know, a, a dollar a gram, uh, or that's the value you you get on the wholesale market or the retail market, um, you know, for your product, hypothetically speaking, and you are over drying by say two percent of your overall weight, and you're producing a thousand grams. Um, well, it starts to add up pretty quickly. Um, you know, that's twenty bucks out of your pocket right there, or whatever the math comes out to. So you can really truly quantify. Um, the monetary or the financial impact that the devices can have when implemented correctly. Um, and that's, that's the quantifiable, um, the more subjective and qualitative um, aspects are also incredibly, incredibly valuable. And it's hard to really, you know, measure from a pure numbers standpoint, but you know, you're going to have better flower. You're going to have Mm-hmm. better cured flower you're going to have a better moisture content with a better feel in the hand a better squish better smoke um all of the things that are very important that the craft connoisseur kind of um, demographic are really looking at and in, in grading um you know the the product that they purchase and consume off of um those are the other things that these devices are really really going to help with that you just don't really you can't really track on the spreadsheet so to speak and that led straight into my next question is, you know, can your consumers tell the difference? Do they see the difference in the quality? And have you heard some feedback from them since you started implementing water activity and, and Aqualab and Scala and, and so on? I think so. I definitely, I definitely think that they notice the difference. And we have heard positive feedback about the consistency between batches, um, you know, how fresh the flowers seem and feel and, and smoke. Um, and you know, before that, we were having some variability or um, we were having some variation between batches in terms of this one's a little bit drier and this one's, you know, right on par. But um, that consistency definitely is key. And we have heard, you know, positive feedback from our customer base about that. And now what's next for you guys? What's next for Sonoran Roots this year and, and maybe looking five, 10 years down the road? Oh, man, uh we're constantly moving, man. We're, we're looking for different opportunities and, you know, we're excited about a couple projects we have in the works right now. So the immediate kind of plans for us are uh, focusing on a, a joint venture with a tissue culture lab here mm-hmm. in Arizona. We're very excited about that. And also a joint venture with an infusion company um, to start making some edibles under our license. We're very, very excited about that. Um, and besides that, you know, we're looking at different opportunities in other markets and other states and stuff, but we're very heavily focused on Arizona and, you know, this is home for all of us. We're all local. Um, and, uh, we like, we like the idea of remaining a local or regional operator. Um, 
And so that's, that's the immediate plans. The five to 10 year plans is, um, it's almost, uh, too, too crazy and difficult to speculate. Um, things are changing so fast. So we're just kind of rolling with the flow right now and, uh, seeing kind of what happens next. Sure. Just one day at a time is all we can really do. <laughs> exactly. And in a whole, as a whole, where do you see the cannabis industry going? I mean, you've been in it a long time now, you know, from getting your medical card to helping start this company and where do you see the industry going in maybe five or 10 years? I think in uh, five years, we'll f- for sure, or hopefully for sure, be looking at a completely uh, legalized national landscape. Um, and with that, I think we'll have the uh, advent of interstate transport. So from one, you know, one state to the next. Um, and I also think that we'll be, we'll be uh, experiencing a whole new wave of license allocation for on-site consumption. Uh, so just, you know, the same way you could, um, you know, distill and distribute liquor. Um, well, you and I can also go into a bar and, you know, have a shot of tequila if we want. So I think that next wave of being able to go into a lounge and going into a, um, you know, a safe environment or a controlled environment and consume cannabis products, um, that's going to be the next big wave of licensing. Um, but I think we'll be coming down the pipeline here in about five years. Um, and that will open the doors to all sorts of new innovation and new business and business owners and revenue generated by cannabis. Um, that would be my, that would be my kind of big two, uh, benchmarks for, uh, the five-year plan. Um, 10 years, I think it's total, totally global. Um, if there is even regional operators still hanging around at that time, um, I think it will be the uh, era of major brands and major big business, um, you know, they're going to come in and they're going to, you know, cherry pick the best operators and the best operations. And, um, it's going to be, it's going to be a completely different landscape at that point in time. And, um, I think from the, on the genetic side of things, it's going to be, it's going to be a uh, situation of which we're actually licensing the, the cultivars, the genetics, the IP, I think all of it will be protected under federal and international trademark law um, and, and intellectual property law. Um, and so we want to grow Cushman's. Um, you know, we're going to need to get in touch with uh, JBZ at Seed Junkie Genetics, and we're going to have to pay, you know, pay our dues to, to grow that strain. Um, and I think that'll be a very interesting new wave of a business of science, scientific development, um, uh, pushing, you know, pushing the market even further than where it's at today and where it'll be in five years, probably. Yeah, it's, it's exciting to watch it grow. And uh, it's great to have you here and, and kind of get your perspective. We've had some of our partners at Dewey Scientific, and they have more of a, a genetics look on on their products and so it's just interesting to see how different people in the same industry are are looking ahead five or ten years down the road but uh it's exciting to watch you guys grow and and it's been awesome to see you implement water activity and scala and so on so jeremy i just want to thank you so much for your time i I think this will be really helpful and and uh interesting to our listeners and uh maybe we'll have you back at at some point and, and see how things are going awesome no i really appreciate you guys having me on and look forward to talking with you soon Thanks. Have a good one, Jeremy. Alrighty. Have a good one. I'm Zachary Cartwright. This is Water and Food. Find this podcast on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.